Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Aloha. We're so happy to be here. Um, How many of you have been blessed by the camp so far? And you know, Army, we, you know, we, it's such a blessing, but Sabbath tends to be the highest blessing that we get here at Army, especially after the all night prayer meeting. How many of you got to experience that at different times in the night? That was wonderful. Praise God. Would you please just bow your heads with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your Sabbath. We thank you for this time to come together, Lord, and to, um, Lord, go deeper into your word and to fellowship together. We just thank you for um, the experience and your spirit falling upon us, Lord, here during this camp. And we just pray that you would just stay here with us and continue to abide with us throughout this Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is Sabbath School, and we're so happy that you are here with us for Sabbath School. You know, several months ago, we were at prayer meeting, and uh, my husband was leading out, and he read um, um, a chapter out of a book, Last Day Events, and I believe it's called The Devotional Life of the Remnant. And this chapter just touched me in such a special way, and it was talking about how the remnant are going to have to know. Those who are here during um, the last days or during the last days, we're going to have to know for ourselves why we believe what we believe. I will not be able to go, Ivor, what was that Bible text again? How does it connect on the Sabbath? I I forget. That can't be. I have to know it for myself. And I was just so um, convicted after reading that chapter that I need to go deeper in the word for myself and I can't depend upon my husband. And I thought, you know, a lot of our church members depend upon the pastors or the Bible workers or the elders or others to know it for themselves. They know it's true, but to be able to find it for themselves and teach it to others, they're not able to do that. And we decided um, several camps ago that we thought it would be neat um, to add this um, element into to army. You know, many times you have, you have a panel of speakers and we ask them questions. Isn't that fun to ask really um, um, people who know the Bible really well questions like Doug Batchelor? You know, you have your own Bible answer live guy right here. You could just ask him questions and he'll give you the answers. Isn't that fun? Isn't that easy? Well, that is not what we're going to do this morning. If you see in your program, it says mock trial. There's a quote um, Ellen White talks about in the last days that there's going to be leaders in the church, pastors, elders, people who you look up to. Some will say, you know what? That Sabbath thing, we were all wrong. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. It's okay. You can go uh, with the rest of the world and do what they're doing. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. We had it all wrong. Look at this Bible text right here and look at this here. And if you're not grounded for yourself, you will fall for um, the lies that are being told. So you have to know the Bible for yourself and you can't just follow a pastor or an elder or other leaders. You have to know and you, you have to know it from God. And so today, 
And she also talks about when we, um, some of us will be brought into court and we will have to make um, a defense for our faith. And we may not even have Bibles right there. And you know, in court, you have a judge and you have prosecutors. And, and, but she says that if you've studied these things, if you have been faithful in studying, God will bring it back to your memory. But if you haven't studied it, he can't bring it back. So this morning, uh, Sabbath school is a mock trial. And we have four prosecutors. They're star prosecutors. And I'd like to invite them to the stage. And they have doctrinal questions that they're going to ask you. You have to prove that what they're saying is wrong. So Doug Batchelor is not the director of Amazing Facts right now. He is um, an another uh, pastor who now believes that Sunday is the Sabbath. Pastor Myers thinks you can communicate with the dead. <laughs> Brother Taj, he doesn't believe all the biblical principles anymore as well. And Keala um, also doesn't believe our Seventh-day Adventist um, doctrinal truths just for this mock trial. So they are going to be asking you questions. And if you believe that you can prove them wrong from the Bible, then we'd like for you to raise your hand and you will have to come and take the stand just like in a trial. You will have um, one attempt to answer the question. If you cannot and if somebody else thinks they can help you out, you cannot get help from the audience. But if you say, I can't do it, and you step down, somebody else can step up. So we'll give two chances. Um, and then after that, the, um, the prosecutor will then give the correct answer. So at this time, we would... Please don't forget your bailiff. What? Oh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. What is a courtroom without a bailiff? Taylor is our bailiff. So if any of you get out of line, he will um, take you out of the courtroom. All rise. Court is now in session. The Honorable Gary the Hammer Hess presides. Your Honor. You may be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here this morning because the, for, this is an administrative court authorized by the Global Council to offer a final opportunity for those who have not gone along with the World Faith Initiative in compliance with that law. The people that are appearing here this morning have been convicted but in the name of justice and mercy, we are going to give them a final attempt to prove their case from the Bible and the Bible only. So at this time, the court calls Prosecutor Myers to present his first question to the accused. And remember, accused, you have one opportunity to state your case. And there will be 
no help from the gallery, and when I am talking, I will not be interrupted. Don't make me unleash the tailor. Okay, um, so you Seventh-day Adventists have not given up yet, huh? <clears throat> okay, uh, do you have your Bibles with you? I'd like for you to open up to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. And uh, let's take a look at the evidence found in, Rome, in uh, chapter 6, verse 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. The Bible reads, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. <clears throat> I understand that uh, you Adventists believe that we are under the law and that uh, the Ten Commandments still stand, but it is obvious that you're not really reading the Bible correctly because the Bible doesn't contradict itself and it clearly says here that we are not under the law, therefore we do not need to keep the law. What? <laughs> I see none of you moving exactly as I thought. Oh, okay. Mr. Prosecutor, may I remind you that we will not challenge... I'm sorry. The... It's just these administs, they just... Sorry. Uh, Coral Parrish from Napa, California. Okay, uh, my answer to your question on is it on now? Oh, I can there hear it. Go. Okay, about um, the law. That's your question, right? That's right. <clears throat> well, in First John one nine, the Bible says, "If you love me, you keep my commandments." So. Um, in 1 John 1 9. Am I wrong? I told you, you Adventists. <laughs> All right, would someone like to turn to 1 John 1 9? Please read that for me. Oh. <laughs> Uh huh. Oh, I'm sorry. I had the wrong verse in my mind. Uh huh. Okay. I'll Do you have the correct yes. verse? Excuse me, Mr. Prosecutor. I'm sorry. What? Do you have the correct verse in your mind? I have the correct verse, but I didn't have the correct text. What text do you wish to present before this court? I don't remember the right text. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to dismiss you. 
I'll gladly go. <laughs> Thank you. Off to jail. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bailiff, select another. Good morning, Mr. Prosecutor. Good morning. You have said that um, we don't need the law? That's right. Well, sir, it says in my Bible, which is the same Bible that you have, it says in 1 John chapter 2, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know with him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So if you're telling me that I'm keeping God's commandments because the law, it's because I know him and I love him. If we say we don't need his commandments, you don't really love him. Well, that sounds nice. <laughs> but what about the verse? Romans 6, verse 14. Are you saying that if we love God, then we're under the law? No, sir. I am saying that if we love God, we will keep the law because we love him. We don't keep the law to be safe. We don't keep the law because we're fearful of judgment. We keep the law just like I obeyed my parents, my human parents, when I was growing up in their house. They said, John, don't do this. I didn't do it because I love them, not because I was fearful of getting a spanking. I did it because I loved my parents. We keep the law because we love him because he first loved us. Objection, Your Honor. State your objection. Uh, Romans 6.14 clearly says that we are under the law. Now, you know, maybe the verse you just read is talking about some other law or some, things, some, some other commandment. I know what it's talking about. Hmm. The two great commandments, Jesus said, love your neighbor and love yourself. That's all that we have to do. You Adventists just don't get it. <laughs> Ah, Romans 6.14. Can may you I speak please one more time? explain the text? One more time. One more time. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul. When have you seen God? Have you ever been able to go up and give him a hug or a kiss? Excuse me. I have me. never Excuse been me. able to give him a hug or a kiss. Speaking to the accused... Prosecutor's asking the questions. You're giving answers. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Mr. Prosecutor, I have never physically gone up to God the Father and been able to give him a hug or a kiss. So if I say with Excuse my me. lips... Excuse me. Yes, sir. We've wandered off the topic here. No, sir. Yes, we have. Are you going to argue with me, bailiff? <laughs> No, sir. We have wandered off the topic here. The, the, the text at question says, ye are not under the law, but under grace. Show us from the scriptures where it says that the law is still in effect. I believe that's your question, isn't it, yes, sir. Mr. Prosecutor? Sir, I'm going to have to turn to the book of Revelation. That's fine. When I go to the book of Revelation, it tells me, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, that's the church, 
and went to make war with the remnant. That's those who continue to follow the teachings, including the law, with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. This is talking about a future time, which is our time. And so the dragon, the devil, is wroth with the woman, the church, that keeps the commandments. And so that church that keeps the commandments, those people, sir, who are keeping the commandments are getting the judgment because they're keeping the commandments. The Bible tells us at the end times there will be a church that keeps the commandments. Sir. Okay. I'm sorry I wasn't satisfied with the answer. But thank you, though. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, so... Um, I will go ahead and explain the answer. Why don't you answer. graciously explain that to our okay. audience? Okay. So how many of you think that you got the answer? Now, you know, all the points that were made were, were true, uh, but it didn't speak to the text itself. In other words, all, it's, all it said was, well, your text says this, but my text says that. You see what I'm saying? And we have to reconcile the word of God. So um, right there in the very next verse, uh, uh, Romans 6, verse uh, 14, the very next verse it says, what then shall we what? Sin. sin. Now, what is sin according to the Bible? Transgression of the law. So what then? Shall we transgress the law because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. In other words, whatever this is talking about, it's not giving us the, the, uh, the freedom to transgress God's law. It's telling us actually that we should be doing the opposite because we're not under the law. Very simply speaking, to be under the law really means to be under the condemnation of the law. You all have probably heard the example given hundreds of times when you're, you're driving and you're going over the speed limit. You are under the condemnation of the law because you're breaking it. Right? Even though a police officer may not have pulled you over, you're kind of sweating, you're nervous, you're looking up in your rearview mirror, you're guilty. Right? And when you get pulled over... It's just the evidence that you've been caught. But when you are given grace, because you are given grace, the officer says, I'm going to let you go. Because you are given grace, God forbid that you go and speed again. Does that make sense? And so that's the, 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 the answer we're looking for in this particular verse. We don't want to use other verses to, to say, well, your verse is saying this, but my verse is saying that. We want to give the explanation of what it means to be under the law. Excuse okay. me, um, Prosecutor Myers. Yes. This is not sermon time. Sorry. We're under the clock. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, the next prosecutor step up, Prosecutor Packlin. You're on the court, sir. Order in the court. Your Honor, these people gathered here before you have apostatized from the true Christian faith. They've actually come to believe doctrines of devils, thinking that it's the truth. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, talk about a group of people that depart from the faith and have given heed to seducing spirits. You see, these Adventists, they are known for being health conscious and abstaining from specific types of meats when the bible says that that is a doctrine of the devil the bible says in first timothy 4 verse 1 now the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron 
And then in verse 3, it tells us what these doctrines of devils are. Forbidding to marry and com commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created, Your Honor, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. These people believe that we shouldn't eat specific animals. And here in Hawaii, we love our Kalua pig. We live off of the things in the ocean. And these people are troublers. They have departed and they, they believe the doctrines of devils. And I plead with you, Adventist people, come excuse back me, to the truth. Excuse me. Again, this is not sermon time. I'm sorry. And we have a time limit. I couldn't help myself. Thank you. And so that's the question. Why do you believe in doctrines of devils in teaching that we cannot eat specific meats when the Bible says that all Bailiff, meats... will you select someone before he preaches for another the Young gentleman, <laughs> come on down. Yes. Sir. Go back down the stage, go up the stage. Go. Thank you, Bailiff. Um, it would do well if you. Uh, it, it would do well if you uh, continued reading. Um, I'll just carry on where you left off. Verse four: For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Verse five: For it is sanctified. By the word of God and prayer. Um, we know in Leviticus 11 what meats are sanctified and unsanctified. So that's my answer. You, 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 to, to have it to be like clean, I guess, um, you can't just pray over it. It has to be sanctified by the word of God. Let, let's make sure that we have this straight. What you're saying is that as long as it says in the Word of God that we are to eat certain things or not eat certain things, then that is sanctification as far as eating things is, is concerned. Um, yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Are you questioning or are you giving me an answer? No. Yes, Your Honor. Thank you. Prosecutor? I rest my case. Thank you. Prosecutor Bachelor, remember no, remember, no sermonizing. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I would just like to present to the uh, Seventh-day Adventists that I think they're making a terrible mistake in urging all Christians to keep the Seventh-day Sabbath because the Bible clearly tells us that now that we're under the New Covenant that the sa Sabbath of the Jews was specifically given to Israel. And with permission, I'll give three brief scriptures on that. It's all one point. Very brief. <laughs> Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. And speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you might know I'm the Lord who sanctifies you. And then if you go down, it says in verse 16, 
Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations. It's a perpetual covenant between me and the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, where Moses repeats the Ten Commandments, there you'll find it says the typical commandment. And verse 15, Deuteronomy 5:15, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And then, of course, you have in both Galatians 4 and Romans chapter 14, one man regards one day above another, another man regards every day alike. So for Seventh-day Adventist Christians to condemn the Christian world at large for not keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath of the Jews when the Bible clearly says it was given to Israel. Bailiff, select another accused, please. Sir, please step to the podium. Bailiff, he's an attorney. We don't need him up here. No, I'm just kidding. Sir, please have a seat. I understand the accusation primarily being that you're saying that the Sabbath was for the Jews. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I had the right answer, excuse me, the right question that we're answering. If we go to Genesis chapter 2, Starting in verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. First of all, God was not a Jew. Yet God created the Sabbath, kept the Sabbath, and honored the Sabbath. He gave it to Adam and Eve, who also were not Jews. And in case we have any doubt about that, we can turn over to Mark 2, 27 and 28. And the word of God says, the Sabbath was made for man. M-A-N. I've never seen Jews spelled M-A-N. And not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is order. also of the Sabbath. I will have order in this court. Carry on. Even if we were to assume that the Sabbath was made only for the Jews, I would want to be one of those Jews. Because if we go to Isaiah 66, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, which God will make. And in Isaiah 66, we can turn to verse 23. And when it's talking about this new heaven and a new earth, it says, It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh. Here again, I've never seen Jew spelled F-L-E-S-H. They will come to worship before me, saith the Lord. God made it. God gave it to man. And all who are redeemed will keep it in the new earth. May I respond, Your Honor? You have one minute. I would just for, like for you to produce for me one example in the Bible of somebody observing the Sabbath before the Israelites began in Exodus 16. A specific listed example 
is what you're looking for? A specific example of someone other than a Jew keeping the Sabbath from the time of creation until the Jews began to keep it uh, with the manna falling from heaven. Tick, 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 tick. Hurry up. Your Honor, the audience is being quite rowdy. Yes. You will be silent in my court. Now, does it have to be an express example? Because, for example, in Genesis 7, 5, it says, Noah did all according unto all that the Lord commanded him. It doesn't expressly say that, that God commanded him to keep the Sabbath, but Noah did everything, which I would assume would include the Sabbath. It's an assumption. Mr. Prosecutor, repeat the question. I am putting forth that there's no example in the Bible of anyone keeping the Sabbath, I'm talking about an example, from the time of creation until the Israelites in Exodus 16. And then God says it was specifically given to the Jews? Just because there's no stated example of people keeping it doesn't mean that God hadn't given it to them. There was incredible disobedience prior to that point, such that God actually had to destroy most of the population. I'm afraid to what? say anything without permission. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Prosecutor, you may speak. Well, I think if we're going to convince the Christian world that they need to uh, be keeping the Sabbath, that it's not just for Jews, we need better evidence than that. I mean, you, you did make some good points here, I, I agree with. Well, you indicated you were looking for evidence preceding Exodus 16. Are you willing to accept other evidence in the Bible as well? Uh, between, well, uh, of keeping it in the New Testament? Well, I, I'm saying that it's for the Jews. If you can show that it's for someone, you made some good points about it being for uh, mankind generally, but when I look in the Old Testament, it seems like uh, he's just asking the Jews to keep it. Anyone want to help? Excuse, excuse me, sir. No, there will be no help from the audience. I will give you one more opportunity to respond, and then you'll be dismissed. I'm, I'm going to have to ask for an answer now. Well, if we look at the history of the church... The Gentile Christians also worshipped on the Sabbath. They came to the synagogue to be taught the same as the Jews were being taught. And it, it was the Sabbath day throughout history when both Jews and non-Jews recognized that that was the day that God had set aside as holy for worship. Your Honor, the Gentiles came to the synagogue to hear Paul preach, but I'd like for you to produce an example where it says the Gentiles kept the Sabbath. Okay, we're going, we're going to have to close this line of questioning. Thank you. It was a valiant attempt. Okay, thank you. Mr. Okay. Mr. Prosecutor, finish stating your case. All right, I'm, I think there are probably some others out there that could uh, have also put up some good arguments. And I've never felt so conflicted because I love to win an argument, but I didn't want to win that one. <laughs> 
I think that this, the trick in this question is don't try to prove that the Sabbath was for the Gentiles. If we make that mistake, if we are ever put on our, you know, on the line for that question, the new covenant is not made with Gentiles. It is true that God gave the Sabbath to Israel, his people. So if you want to be saved, all Christians are grafted, according to Paul, uh, chapter 9 of Romans, into the stock of Israel. The new covenant, it reads this way, I will make a new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31, also Hebrews 8. I will make a new covenant after those days with the house of Israel. Any Gentile who becomes a Christian becomes a spiritual Jew and then has the same obligations as the Jews to keep the Sabbath. And then I think I heard Ivor say, you've got Isaiah 58, I think it's Isaiah 58, where, it's, where it says, the sons of the stranger that will follow me that keep my Sabbaths. So even Gentiles that joined Israel in the Old Testament were required to keep the Sabbath. And that was found in Isaiah 56. Prosecutor Thompson, please step forward and present your case to the court. Thank you, Your Honor. The number one reason why people are atheists out there is because no church or person out there is able to answer this question. Excuse me. Please don't stand in front of the bench. Sorry. Thank no you. <laughs> and the question is this. If God is love, like the Bible says, then why is there so much suffering in this world? Now, I heard that you Seventh-day Adventists, you profess to have the answer to this question that no other church has based upon your arrogancy that you're the remnant church and all your um, writings of your pioneers of what you believed and your teachings and you have the only truth. And because of that arrogancy, you believe that you have a special light based upon your understanding of something called the great controversy. Now, in light of all this, I want you to tell me is there anyone here that's able to answer this question that if God is loved, then why is there so much suffering in light of the Seventh-day Adventist church understanding of the great controversy that no other church out there is able to answer this question? That's why there's so much atheists out there. Is there anyone out there that can answer this question? And I'd like to this, add this little story, Your Honor. A little short story. Yeah, is that okay? One, 30 Quick, seconds. Quickly. Okay. And I just had the opportunity to, and this really happened, but to bury a little baby. And it's a sad thing to bury someone, but a sad thing to bury and to see a coffin that's only three feet long. And to see it being lowered down into the ground and have the parents ask the question, why did this happen? If there's a God, then why did this happen to my child? A child should never die before their parents. And I want to know, is there any seven Adventists that understand um, this question and can answer it? Is anyone out there? Anyone? Uh, Mr. Prosecutor, State your qu question specifically. The, the topic is too general. In light of the great controversy, who is to blame? Is God to blame for this? Is anyone can answer this question in light of the great controversy? Thank you. Bailiff? 
Your Honor, they're all scared. Oh. You, sir, the handsome guy. Yes. That's don't, my uncle. Don't, ma- don't make me pick somebody. Good morning, sir. Please state your name for the court. Uh, the name is Fayu Fayu Jr. from Honolulu Central. <clears throat> and the, um, the argument, the only reason why I know the answer to this argument is because uh, that man sitting back there with the bald head <laughs> gave me this Bible. Amen. You guys should really get this Bible. I'm not advertising the Bible, but Sir, answer the question. This is excuse, the Bible excuse me, from, excuse uh, me. Excuse from me. that man. This is not commercial time. Please answer the question. We're running out of time. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay, I guess my understanding of the question is if God is really a God of love, then why do we have so many uh, circumstances? Suffering, suffering, pain, death. Okay, first of all, you must understand the question of suffering. Just a moment. Just a moment. The Bible says... Just a moment. As we ended the exchange between the prosecutor and I, we reduced it down to the question of who is at fault for this. Okay, I'll get to that. Uh, let me provide some... Uh, let me first provide I, I, uh, some, uh, some scriptures so that I can Excuse explain me. the answers. Excuse me. I have to listen to these guys preach. I don't want you preaching. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> The, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. If we're all sin, then where should we be? Okay? But then the Bible also says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for all of us sinners. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here. So, that's the love that God has. No matter how sinful we are, he gave us a way to save us from sin. You, you skirted around the, the question. You did not answer the question. The question is, who is responsible for the sin and pain and suffering in this world? Okay. The... the the person that's responsible for sin is the devil himself. Okay, you have, you have given me, given at the court, a number of answers, but I have not heard any of it from Scripture. Do you have a Scripture? I will allow you 30 seconds. I thought I, thought I mentioned uh, Romans, where Paul says, uh, for the wages of sin is death, and that's created by the devil. Okay. The law is created by the devil? Clar- no, please, sin. please clarify. Sin, sin. is created by the, is respo- uh, the devil is responsible for sin. W- where does it say that in the scriptures? They're all over the scriptures. <laughs> okay, you're arguing with the court. I want a direct answer. They're all over the scriptures. It all starts from Genesis uh, when, when the devil, um, you know, got into Adam and Eve from the creation. That's where sin started. And where is that found? Uh, let me see. You want specific chapters and verses, huh? I like that. 
I will give you a short amount of time to find it, and then we will have to move along. Okay, sir. Chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. You want me to read it? Uh, of course. Okay. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, okay, well, lest you die. Me, excuse me. Mr. Prosecutor, cross-examination. You know, I, the lady who lost their child was told many things that, you know, God loves you, you got to believe, you got to have faith, but it never satisfied her. So it, I'm sorry, I'm not satisfied with the answer. There needs to be something more direct to answer the question. Who's responsible in a direct text, Your Honor? You, as, you the, as the judge presiding of this court, I'm, I'm going to ask that we move on to the next question. Um, this question is a little vague, and um, we could spend an hour sitting here listening to the answer in the question. So I, I'm going to ask that we move on to the next question Okay. as our time's running out. Okay. Let me, uh, can I share the text to sure. explain it? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Let me share Matthew 13, verse 24 to 28. The Bible says, Another parable put he forward unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And it says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So it was the enemy that did the the evil. And then it says here, but when the blade was spring sprung up and brought forth all fruit, they, then appeared all the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, to, the, to their leader, right? And it said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? For whence then has it tares? In other words, the evil that happened, they blamed it and said, Lord, I thought you only did good. I thought you were only loved. Then how come there's evil in this world? That was the question. And then the answer comes, and he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Where thou go? And it goes on. So it's clear that an enemy did this, and God is not ultimately responsible for all, God is not responsible for all the evil that happens, but it's Satan and our own decision to do evil. Thank you. Gentlemen prosecutors, we are going to now quickly move through another series of questions. You will each be allowed to ask one question. We will get one response from the audience. And we will do this very quickly. Pastor Myers. All right. It is Pastor Myers. Yes, sir. Very quickly. Yes, sir. Thank you. It is very unfortunate that um, you Adventists teach that when you die, uh, this just very sad thought that you stay in the ground and you just wait there. You know, it's... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, Wherefore I say, or where we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The text clearly tells us that to be absent from the body 
is to be present with the Lord. Why do you believe otherwise? To those from the audience, I don't want discussion. I want proof from the Bible. Please just come up here and read the text and present that as your statement. Bailiff, select someone, please. Sir, in the pretty pink shirt. Come on up. I would like to submit that the text does not say that we're absent from the body at death. So I would agree that when we are absent from this body, which is this earthly tent, and we are with the Lord, we will then be with him, but it doesn't say at death. And I would like to submit to evidence from the words of Jesus himself that we do not go to heaven or to hell at death. And it's in John chapter 5. And I would like to submit that he knows what happens at death. Mm. Truly, truly, and this is verse 25. I say unto you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So I submit the answer to death is the resurrection, not flying off in some spirit uh, at, at death and being with the Lord right away. And the resurrection, we are told, happens at the end of the thank, age. Thank you. Wow. So, so, may I ask you a question? Are you saying that the dead are in the grave? That's what Jesus is saying. He said all they that are in their graves will hear the voice. Mm. And he didn't say that they would hear him from heaven, that they would hear him in the graves. Wow. You know, something's happening in me right now that is making me think that you Adventists may have this right. Thank wait, you. Wait, can I? M Mr. Prosecutor. Please have a seat. Can I talk with you guys a little bit later? Because I really want to know more. I'm interested. Prosecutor Pakalib, please make it quick. Thank you. No preaching. Your Honor, these Seventh-day Adventists are caught up with the Sabbath. And they say that even after the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we still ought to keep the seventh day of the week. But the Bible is clear. In the early church in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, that the disciples were worshiping on the first day of the week. And these Adventists also make the claim that Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. But this cannot be so when we have a clear example from the scripture of the New Testament church after the resurrection worshiping on the first day of the week. And so my question is, why, you, why are you Adventists so hung up on the seventh day when the Bible gives us an example of the New Testament church worshiping on the first day of the week. Will someone address this question, please? Sir. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Please present a specific, concise answer. Thank you. Jonathan Bryant. 
going to read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Do not think that I come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. He then says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> now Christ says here that we are to keep the law. And the law includes the Sabbath. And not one example in the New Testament when Christ could have clearly addressed this and done away with the Sabbath. Can you provide one example, prosecutor, where he explicitly says the Sabbath no longer applies? Well, that verse, if you notice, it says he fulfilled it. And I believe that he fulfilled the law and the prophets. When Jesus died on, on, on Good Friday and uh, rest in the tomb on the Sabbath, he fulfilled that, that old law. And now he resurrects on the first day of the week. And here we find after the resurrection, the New Testament church, because that law was fulfilled, now they're uh, worshiping on the first day of the week in honor of that resurrection. And here's a clear example. How can you explain this verse? Again, going back to the, the words of Jesus, he said, until heaven and earth pass away. I'm here and you're here. It hasn't passed away yet, which means it still applies. Well, it says the law and the prophets, and I'm under the understanding. Mr. 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 Prosecutor, I'm the judge of this court, and I'm satisfied with this answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Prosecutor Batchelor? Quick, quickly, please. All right, in the mouth of two witnesses, two quick scriptures, uh, I know you Seventh-day Adventists believe that hellfire does not burn forever. Uh, and of course, that would uh, completely be out of sync with what the Bible teaches. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 41, those that are lost, he says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then if you go to uh, Revelation 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they're tormented day and night forever and ever. I don't want a long sermon. I just want to know, explain these two verses. I don't want any sermon. I want biblical proof, text read, and that's it. Would somebody come forward, no. please? Jeannie Wendells. I'd like to turn to Malachi chapter 4. My knees are knocking. <laughs> Malachi chapter 4, starting with verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. 
But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Thank you, ma'am. I'm convinced. <laughs> Prosecutor Bachelor, have a seat, please. A seat, please. <laughs> Prosecutor Thompson, quickly, quickly. Yes, Your Honor. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Your Honor, I would like to show that these seven-day Adventists are against the United States of America and the Supreme Court of Law. And that they're disobedient to them, and they call us Satan. Notice it says in verse 11, it says, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. They call this beast the United States of America. And he spake as a dragon. And in verse chapter 12, it says the dragon, verse 9, is Satan, Your Honor. So he's calling us, the, the seven-day Adventists are calling us, as Satan, they want anarchy. That's why they're not obeying this law to keep Sunday holy. They want to destroy the United States of America. They have no patriotism at all. They want to just, just, just ruin everything. They don't want any type of government. They're just anarchists. Now, is there anyone out there can ask, answer Thompson. this question? Yes, Thank sir. you. We'll, we'll call for witnesses. Okay. You're preaching. State your question directly. Is anyone and concisely. Out is there anyone out there that can answer this question? That Seventh-day Adventists are not against the government of the United States and are against anarchy. Can you prove that? Bailiff. Use the steps this time. Witness, this court is running longer than intended. Please keep your answer to under two minutes. First off, I'm Canadian, so no. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Please forgive me. Um, in verse 11, it says, And he spake as a dragon. So um, we're... We're not saying that you know that like the United States is like the devil, um, just it acts like the devil. <laughs> Please step down. I think he's convicted himself. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, prosecutors, we would like to thank you for attending this morning's court session. The court has run out of time, and we are going to bring this session to a close. Thank you.